Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning, uh, from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in journey, or poor adventure, he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of, Jake, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, thank you for this um, uh, event that you have in the Bible, Lord, and we, we see the power that you possess. I pray, Father, that you would uh, take that power, Lord, and place it upon our pastor this morning, fill him with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts here, Lord. Lord, help us to fall on our faces and, Lord, uh, admit that you are Lord and, Lord, serve you as if you are. Thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
could make my wrongs right than that old accuser to the Lord decried. He is a sinner, and now he must die. Then I heard a voice saying, Father, times they pray through but when the battle's over and my last song is sung i'll go home through the blood of my father's precious son and it's still the blood that saves from sin it's still With you. Is that, uh, <laughs> I made that noise myself. That's the way I feel right now. Uh, we went through two solid days, about 12, 14 hours a day, just nonstop loading things. And uh, I got to the, the last trailer. I was uh, loading it by myself. And, um, and I got to a point about two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through it. I finally just sat down and I made a phone call and called a guy and said, 
you got to come help me because I can't get back up. <laughs> and so he did, and he came to help me finish off that trailer. And so um, I'm excited about this, about uh, being here today. I'm excited about uh, finally getting moved in, honestly. Uh, I'm excited about the fact that May is coming, and in May, we don't have to go anywhere. The whole month of May, we don't have to go anywhere. And so I plan on sleeping the month of May. Um, but, um, but I do want to let you know, uh, I, I beg you to start planning now to come for Sunday nights, the month of May. Sunday night, month of May is going to be a, a, a series on the family, on family, marriage, child rearing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go every Sunday night. It'll be a real teaching type of thing. Uh, but we're going to go through that series. So I, I beg you, start planning to, to work into your schedule to be here. Uh, it, it applies to any stage. You say, well, my family's all grown. If you are a grandparent, I'm telling you, you have a great influence over your grandchildren. Huge influence over your grandchildren. Jo Beth always says that uh, her grandmother had a massive, just a great influence over her. Uh, and and uh, my grandparents did. My, their influence was they whooped the fire out of me. So, uh, um, but really, if we have a we have a legacy is in very important. But most people just want their name to be known. But truly, our legacy is in our children, and our grandchildren, and our, what the Bible calls our children's children. So, uh, please. Uh, be preparing for that. Pray for us as we start preparing for that and, uh, and as I start trying to get my wife to write some sermons. All right, so that was a joke, folks. You're all like, okay, we believe that. Thank you so much for, uh, uh, we have a, a lady back here, and if you hear some talking at the back, please, it's okay. Uh, Miss Linda's going to be translating today. Uh, my wife went on Craigslist and sold the couch and love seat from the the office there because we're going to try to get a new one and uh, and so uh, they came and they purchased that couch and love seat and while they're here uh, I invited her, her husband works on Sunday but I invited her to come to church today and she's here I told her we'd have somebody that could talk to her and uh, that Miss Linda can talk to anybody because she talks all the time and so uh, and so but she's here and thank you for coming I told her she's the beginning of our Spanish ministry. Amen. This is the beginning of our Spanish ministry, which also means you can never leave. All right. So um, it's a very unique thing here. And, and um, if you look at verse back at verse 27, this passage we were just looking at, uh, it, it just I, I love this portion of it, I guess maybe because, you know, I'm pretty sarcastic myself uh, at, at times. And so probably we go over there to move today. If I have enough energy to speak, I'll probably say something sarcastic to you along the way. Uh, but there, he says, uh, Elijah mocked him and said, cry loud, for he is a God. He said, oh, wow, you know, I mean, he's God, so you better yell out. In other words, you know, if he's really God, you don't have to talk loud. He knows. But he says, cry loud, because he is a God. Cry loud, or, for he may be talking. Or he may be pursuing, or like, or he is in a journey, or per, per adventure he sleepeth. Wouldn't you love to have a God that's asleep? Right when you need him, he's asleep. And, and you know, you've got to wake him up. So yell loud. 
You got to wake him up. Now, look, God is not like church members. You say, Brother Hooker, why do you get loud? <laughs> wake you up. You go to sleep on me. I got to wake you up. Now, the fact is, is not the, uh, he, it's just, it's a wonderful thing. What he's saying is, he says, look, can I add just a little bit? And really, I don't add to the Bible, but maybe their God is dead. Maybe their God is dead because he's never alive. Now, I'm, to, I had a statement that was made to me, or actually, uh, somebody called me the other night. They were very excited, you know, and I was thrilled that they were. They were, they were excited uh, uh, because they were kind of like a, a, a little bit of a spiritual thing had come into their life and a little motivation, and they'd gone to see this film, this movie that's called God is Not Dead 2, I guess. Uh, I've never, never seen it, but, uh, but you know, honestly, I, I'm, 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 for, I'm for anything to, to fight against what's going on in this world. And so if it's a, if it's a good film out there and God is not dead, and, and I'm, it's a great concept, if we could try to get some people to believe he's not dead, because maybe they start to live differently. But they were very excited about the film, and, and I'm thrilled. Maybe, and, and I uh, hope that it is something to be very excited about. But as I was talking to them, I could not get this thought out of my mind from that moment on. Uh, yesterday, as I was driving, uh, I guess, 11 more hours, we drove three hours uh, the night before, and then, and then uh, we drove 11 more hours in that big truck, and, and I was trying to hold it on the road. My wife was on the phone to me telling me, you're getting over too far, come on. And, uh, and I would get over to the edge. I caught the edge a couple of times, and when I did, that big old joker started wobbling on me. And, uh, and I'm trying to figure out how to get this thing back on the road. So, Josh, when you drive, if, okay, keep it on the road. Um, but the other day, uh, they were talking to me about this, and I, and I kept thinking about it the whole time I was driving. And so my question to each of us today is, is he dead? Is God dead? You know, I know we sit in church today and we, of course, would answer, God's not dead. And, and all of us right now, we would say, God's not dead, right? I, I hope. Are you? <laughs> hey, look, I'm tired. You got no reason to feel the way you're feeling. I'm exhausted. You're going to have to help me today. So everybody just smile at me right now, all right? Smile at me. I need your help today because I'm about to pass out up here. My wife says, don't tell people that. It's the truth. <laughs> All right. Now, the other day, as I was doing it, I kept thinking, is he? Is God? I know we sit in church today, and we would, of course, answer that God is not dead. We said, of course not. God's not dead. That's why I'm in church. But I want you to ask you this. How do we know when somebody's dead? How do you know? And I'm going to just, I just listed some things. You know, if, if, if somebody's dead, you do not hear them speak. If somebody's dead, you do not see them move. If somebody's dead, you do not ask them questions. If somebody's dead, you do not ask them for help. If somebody's dead, you do not ask them for wisdom. My daddy's 86 years of age, and I, and I say this, and this generation has got to get this, but the older folks know things we don't know. We've got to learn. 
I tell them right now, if I'm going to build something, which I can't build nothing, but if I'm going to build something, if I can just get him to sit in a chair and say one more time, don't do that, stupid. <laughs> then I need to have him tell me to do that before I mess it up. And my wife really wants that. Every time I pick up a hammer, she cries. <laughs> you don't ask them for wisdom. If they're dead, you don't feel their touch. If they're dead, when you approach them, they're cold. If they're dead, they do not breathe upon you. If they're dead, they do not watch. If they're dead, they do not correct you. If they're dead, they do not teach you. If they're dead, they do not rejoice with you. If they're dead, they do not show pleasure. If they're dead, they don't answer. If they're dead, they don't hear. They simply do not respond at all. And listen to this, only a fool would expect them to. We do not speak to them, at least not believing or expecting a response. You say, well, I, I speak to people. I, I was with a, went out and, uh, and I've already told you about this, but Joe Beth, Beth and I, we were looking for a place to do the couple's retreat and went out to someplace, Helena, Arkansas. Boy, you just cut that word in half and that's what you got there. But, uh, and, but we went down, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, should you? But we, we went down there and it was a spooky place. It really was. I mean, God bless them. I didn't see, we didn't see people around anywhere. We're driving down the street and it's just ghost town and empty. And then all of a sudden there's this coffee shop and we went in. And, and as I started talking to the girl about the Lord, I got witness to her. And she started telling me that she was talking to her grandfather about something. And I, well, I think that's okay. Except then she said her grandfather died like, like a month ago, but she still talks to him. He comes and sits in the kitchen with her. I kind of was backing up from the counter. <laughs> My goodness. But if somebody's dead, we don't, we don't expect to respond to them to respond to us, and we don't, we don't really talk to them expecting them to talk back to us. It's kind of like that man who's walking through the graveyard one night. It's dark and pitch black and he's trying to get home and it's raining and he's trying to, he's scared to walk through that graveyard but it's a shortcut and it's raining hard and in the darkness he walked and he fell right in an open grave. And he was down that open grave and he jumped trying to get out but it was so slick and he, he kept sliding back down and he jumped and he grabbed and every time he grabbed it'd peel off and he'd fall back down the grave and about an hour he just wore himself out covered with mud. He gave up. He just sat down in the hole and said, I'm not going anywhere till morning and somebody come get me out of here. And about an hour later, another man came walking through the graveyard and he was walking through the graveyard and he came to that in the darkness and he fell in that same hole, in that same grave. But he didn't see the man sitting in the corner because it was dark. And he jumped and he grabbed and he crawled and he kept sliding back down and he tried and he tried. Finally, that other man sitting in the corner said, give it up, you can't get out of here. But he did. And I'm telling you, you would too. 
I never even touched the side. If he said, man, the visor in that hole, and he spoke to me, poof, I'd just been gone. But is God dead? We'd be shocked out of our minds if he spoke to us. If he's not dead, then we should understand, believe. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer that foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall smite thee by day, uh, uh, shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. If God's alive, then he'll take care of you. Amen? But if he's dead, we don't hear him. If he's not dead, we should speak to him and inspect him to hear us. Psalm 5.3 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto you, unto thee, and will look up. You know, if he's not dead, then we ought to be talking to him. Hello? Now, I'm not good, and I wish I was better at it, but, but again, I use my dad's illustration. I, I've tried, you know, I try to call him uh, often, and sometimes I get busy, and sometimes there's a day or two, three goes by, and all of a sudden I realize, my goodness, uh, while we were loading that truck, I got in the truck, started driving yesterday, and I realized I hadn't talked to my daddy in a couple of days because I've gone from morning to night. I hadn't hardly, I hadn't shaved, I hadn't done anything. I'm filthy and, and, and finally got cleaned up and, and driving a truck, and I called him. You know what? Because he's alive, and I have a chance to talk to him. But if we're not talking to him, we must be living as though he's dead. If he's not dead, we should hear him. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 says, The Lord came and stood and called uh, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Listen to me, when he speaks, we ought to hear him. Folks, I beg you, I beg you, talk to him enough and walk in silence with him enough that you start to hear him talk to you. You say, will God talk to you? Listen, I'm not talking about an audible voice that starts talking to you. Uh, you'd be jumping out of the grave again. <laughs> but I'm talking about God will speak to your heart. God will tell you this. Uh, every major event in my life, God has made it clear. I told, told Brother Allen, I, I'm not one of these that God gives you peace. God compels you. God drives you. And when you walk and you pray, God just says, this is what you must do. You may be afraid to do it. You may be scared to death to do it. You may, in your, all your reasons, say, I don't know how I can do it. But something inside you says you got to do it. That's the way we moved up to Indiana 30 something years ago. That's the way we came back here 30 something years later. God just moved and I had to. I had to do it. Because God spoke to my heart. 
the house that we're moving into, is, it, it's, it's far beyond anything reserved. The, the truth is the garage is, is, is actually more square footage than our house was in North Carolina. But my wife prayed. Because she kept saying, we want to be close to the church. You know what? Because we want to be where people can come to our home. Everybody in here, and I'm going to do it again with Joe Beth here. I'm going to invite everybody over. One at a time. And so, <laughs> but she prayed, and she found this area, and she said, this is it, this is it, this is it. I'll be honest with you, I drove through the area. Uh, there's nothing for sale, but anything that would have been for sale is so far past anything that I can do. I think, okay, God bless you, woman, but while you're praying, you better pray down a whole lot of money. But she kept praying and praying for a certain type of house, praying for the certain in, the, in a certain location. She kept praying. You know what? You know why she's doing that? Because there's a God that's alive. And then she decided to go back through there because, you know, it, you, have, you have to go back in, in faith to step out. So she goes back through there. And as she goes back through there, guess what? They're sticking a sign in the yard of the house she wants. She gets out, and in her own words, she gets out in the driveway and dances a jig. <laughs> because she knew this is what God had done. You know, she knew the moment, you know, every house we've ever lived in, we knew that. The house we lived in the Crown Point, we had looked for five years trying to get a little place with a little bit of land, just an acre of land to get away from your know, house on top of houses because I grew up in the country and I want trees and I want to be able to breathe when I walk out and I don't want anybody staring at me when I walk out. You know what I mean? I want to be able to walk outside and, 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 and take my shirt off and say, <sighs> and nobody be looking at me. And I, we, we, we drove, and, and we came up that night, about 10 o'clock at night, and I knew the moment we drove up to it. I knew it was the house. My wife will tell you, I got out of the car, I fell on my knees and began to, to thank the Lord that he'd given us the house. We called the realtor that night, never even walked in and told her that night at 10 o'clock, we're going to buy this house. She said, don't you want to see it first? Don't have to. I already know this is the house. The next morning we went in there and we bought the house the next day. They gave me the loan while I was in the house. Because God was in it, because he spoke. Thomas was a follower but did not believe that Jesus was risen. He was a follower of Christ, but he refused to believe that he was alive. Now, wait a minute, you say, what does that mean? How many of us come to church and we're Christian and we're followers, but we really don't believe he's alive in our life? Is he alive in your life? John chapter 20, verse 27 through 29 said, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. We are those that have not seen Jesus in the flesh, but do we really believe he's alive? What 
do we really believe? What you believe moves you to action. Folks, too long, and, and, and I hope, you, you, I'm thrilled that so many that even coming to, to hear me preach, and it's not me, I beg God to direct my heart and mind, but, I, but I'm telling you this, I believe this world, we're in a dearth of Christianity that really has Christianity, a belief system that moves them to action. It's not just saying I'm a Christian. It's not just showing up for church sometimes. It's the fact that our lives ought to be different from the world. What you believe moves you to action. What you really believe affects your actions, your life, your prayers, your holiness, your righteousness. It affects you. Your beliefs become your thoughts, a man said. Something changed. I don't know if it's me or something. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. That's an incredible statement if you really think about it. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. You see, what you believe moves you to action. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. But what an incredible statement. But listen to this. It's a great statement, but sadly it's said by a man who never believed in Christ. This was said by Gandhi. And it was Gandhi who said he would have become a Christian if it were not for Christians. Gandhi, who, who led a, a nation, just incredible, millions and millions of people, and that could have been led toward Christ, but because, listen, when he says, if it were not for Christians, what he's saying is, I met Christians who live like Christ is dead. Christians who lived as though God was dead drove Gandhi from trusting the Savior. Do we believe? Do people believe we believe? Do people believe we hear God speak? Again, I, the greatest joy that I have is when one of my daughters will ask me to pray for them or ask their mama to pray for them. Because they believe that we hear God speak. Do people believe that we see God move? Move in our lives. Do people believe that we ask God questions? And we listen when he answers. Do people believe that we ask him for help? If you're in trouble right now, would your family say, what would your first response be? Can I warn you? Can I ask you? Can I beg you? It ought to be to the point that our family and those who know us would say, the first thing that they'll do is go to God. 
Do people believe that we ask him for wisdom? Do people believe that we feel his touch? And you can agree with this or disagree with this, but on Sunday night after we finished here and we went, we were getting ready to drive to Wisconsin. And we got the second phone call that my daughter in tears saying that Luke had had a second heart attack. And it was much worse. And we didn't know, and it went, it went so long, an hour or two, and there's just no word, and we knew that, that, that apparently something's, something's not right. I walked outside, and I simply in tears said to my God, Lord, I got to know. I said, Lord, I'm not into signs and things, but Lord, you know that there's, I have three different ways that God will say he loves me. And, and I said, Lord, right now, I just need you to let me know that Luke's going to live. That my grandchildren are going to have their daddy. That my, my daughter's going to have her husband, that they love each other so much. And they're serving God. As I walked outside, I said, Lord, please, I need right now just a special touch. And one of my ways that God says that he loves me to me is for me to see a shooting star. And at the very moment, I said, God, I need to hear your, feel your touch. A shooting star went across the sky. You say that's just circumstance or happenstance. I don't believe there is any circumstance or happenstance with God. Just for a moment, he just showed me. I felt his tender touch. Do people believe when you approach God, it brings warmth to your heart, to your soul? Do people believe that you feel his breath as he breathes upon you? And that's what I pray so often. God, please, Holy Spirit, breathe upon me. Do people believe that he sees us? Do people believe that, uh, that in your life that you believe that he watches over us? Do people believe that you believe that he corrects us? That he teaches us? That he finds pleasure in us? That he answers us? That he hears us? Do people believe in your life, when they see you and live with you, do they believe that you believe that God hears and answers your prayer because he's alive? But I'm afraid many have trusted in God that was dead when they trusted and accepted him. Now, he's not really dead, but I believe many believe that God is dead. I'm afraid that many have called upon someone they never expected to answer in a ritual that somehow would pacify their, pacify their fears and their conscience. Folks, we got to be a people that believe God is alive. He is alive and that he will speak to us. He will hear us. He will touch us. He will move in our lives. He is a real living God. I used to tell the sailors that 
They'd come down and I would tell them, I said, you flip off that switch in the back of your head uh, that, that turns off that language that you speak to all your buddies. I said, around, uh, while you're around my wife and around my daughters, I want you to think of them as your mom and your sisters. And many of you, I would say to them, will say things to each other and use language that you would not use if your mom was listening. So turn that switch off. You say, what does it mean? I say, what we believe affects our actions. If I believe I'm in front of my mama, I'm not going to say those things. And if I believe I'm in front of my God and he is alive and he sees me and he cares about me and he loves me, it'll affect the way I live. What we believe greatly affects our actions. When I preached my second sermon that I ever preached, it was in that little church out in Cairoville. And that day, a couple people came to the service and sat at the back. It was my mom and dad. The very first person to ever walk the aisle under my preaching was my mom. And I remember these words that she said to me as I I was so stupid. I gave the invitation and the preacher always said, bow your head and close your eyes. And so I, I said, bow your head and close your eyes. And I bowed my head and closed my eyes. I'm sitting there with my head bowed and eyes closed. And I started wondering, how do I know if anybody comes? So I, I was sitting there with my head bowed and my eyes closed and I heard, Somebody crying to the side, and I looked up, and it was my mom. She stood right there, and I walked down to her, and these words are ringing in my heart the rest of my life. It's part of the driving force behind staying with God. She looked at me that morning. She took my hand. She said, son, I want what you have. What do people believe? about your God. Is God dead in your life? Our minds say, of course not. But what does our heart and our life say? What does the word of God say? Romans 10, 8 and 9 says this, but what saith it? The Lord is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. Shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Folks, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation, but if you trusted in some ritual procedure prayer of a dead God, we're no different than the prophets of Baal. 
we came and we cried out, God, please save me. God, take me to heaven. Yeah, I want to be saved. And yeah, I want to trust Jesus because that's the right term to use. But do you believe Jesus Christ is the sinless, perfect Son of God who is alive? He's alive. And if he's not alive, there is no salvation. If he's not risen, we have no hope. But our lives should be lived differently. If he's alive, then we need to talk to him. If he's alive, we need to listen to him. If we're alive, we need to feel his touch. If he's alive, he is our hope. Is our Redeemer. My question this morning is it's not the statement God is not dead. It's the question is He? Is He effectively dead in our lives? I know you say, Brother Hooker, I'm here. This is Sunday and I'm here. Okay, is he effectively dead six out of seven days? Because he's not spoken to? Because he's not communicated with? Because he's not asked any advice, any counsel? Any wisdom? Is he a dead? Well, this morning, if he's speaking to you this morning, then I, I ask you right now, if he's speaking to you and he says, you know, I need you to trust the living Savior, then you need to do that this morning. Because it's so easy we get involved in a ritual. Even in good churches, we just get involved in a ritual. You going to heaven? Yeah, I prayed a prayer. You going to heaven? Yeah, I got baptized. You going to heaven? Yeah, I've been a church member. You going to heaven? I've taught Sunday school class. I had a guy tell me one time, 27 years. No, you go to heaven because you trust and believe. He's alive. You say, I know I'm on my way to heaven, but is God dead? If Elijah came to you in your life and me in my life, would he look at us and he would he mock us and say, cry aloud? Because the way you live, your, your God must be sleeping. He must be being pursued. He must be talking or No, he's, he's alive. He's in control. He loves us. But we've got to decide that we're going to listen. And if God's truly alive, then he's just not a God. He is the God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords. He's alive today. Father, I pray that you bless Lord Jesus. I ask you, please, please.